Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, guys. Welcome to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Hot Rod! What's happening, dude? Man, I tell you what's happening. Tell me. It's like we stepped in a time machine. We're going back in time. You know, we've been talking about all kinds of old school stuff here lately, so this is no different. We've been in this time machine but you all know, the But I want to tell you something, though. You know, we've talked top fuel drivers. We we've talked. We talked Tanner Gray, the pro we, stock sensation. We have. We got Jeff Lutz, the pro mod. God. God. Yeah. I mean, Mr. Pro mod. And then we've got Shirley Muldowney. But yeah. I want to take it back further than that. All right. Let's step and back. I want to tell you something. If we go much further back, we're going to need shovels. <laughs> I mean, it's getting old, old school. I mean, I'm talking gassers. Right on. So I tell you what, I mean, you know, where do these gassers start? Well, you know, with a gallon of gas, maybe. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> well, I mean, this is before organized directions, before NHRA, before IHRA, before, before all the RAs, anything. You had the Southern California Timing Association, right? That was the only thing that timed racing like that. Um, the you SCTA, know, the SCTA for short. Uh, uh, your gassers actually started in Southern California at an airport. And these cars, I mean, the rules were just kind of, you know, hodgepodge together. But it was the first timed drag racing event. Well, you'll never guess who was there. Who was there? Well, a member of the SCTA and somebody that you would probably recognize, Mr. Wally Parks. Hmm, Mr. Wally Parks. A year before NHRA started. Mm-hmm. Hmm. How interesting. Interesting. For those who don't remember the name of Mr. Wally Parks, if you go back to our podcast uh, around uh, Valentine's of this year and you listen to our interview with Shirley Muldowney, she will let you know all about Wally Parks and how she feels about him. I promise you, very good one. Do not want to miss that. But, like I said, you know, this is where the gasser started, and these things took off. These cars had a spirit of all their own. You know, you got to think about what makes a gasser. These quintessential things. The straight axle front end. Right. Why do you think they use the straight axle front end on a gasser? Uh, because uh, we like for good entertainment, and that's the most dangerous front end to run on a car. No. Oh, okay. Well, that's a good answer, though. Weight distribution. you got to ah. think about it. They're making all this power. They had to get it to the ground, so they had the front end angled up, up high, to help shift the weight to the back of the car. Made absolute sense. All right. Another, <laughs> another reason. It's lighter than a, than a traditional, at the time, a-frame, independent front suspension. So it was actually lighter. That's so that cool. was kind of neat. It's interesting. Um, A-frame being a lot safer, obviously. Probably. Yeah. But, you know, there, there's a lot of things. Like the electric chairs is a lot safer than a gasser. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Um, I mean, I don't think safety was paramount with any of this. No. no, um, no. But anyway, so this was the thing that's made these cars cool. And like I said, the cars were basically, you know, Gasser cars are any mid-30s to all into your 60s cars. 
Um, you know, factory production cars. That was a big right. thing. They started with real no steel. No kit cars. Yeah, there was no kit cars. These were real steel cars. Um, through the years, they actually got lightened up a lot. You know, you got to think about it. Like we were talking about in our episodes when fiberglass got big in the 50s and the 60s. The late 50s and going into the 60s, you had fiberglass front ends. Right. You had fiberglass door panels, things of that nature. Plexiglass was another big thing that hit in the 60s. And keep in mind, this is the 60s and everything was colored. So they had tinted uh, plexiglass windshields and side windows in these cars. So pretty much, unless you had a Corvette, which is all fiberglass car, about the only thing still left on your car back then would be your rear quarters and your roof. More or less. Yeah. And the whole of the car. Exactly. The floor pan. Yeah. Um, you know, another thing you got to think about, too, you know, they have this big motor in these cars and all that stuff is, I mean, you know, all these different power plants and how they differentiate between the classes was weight and cubic inches. The right. size motor. The bigger the motor, the heavier the car had to be. Right. The smaller the motor, the lighter the car. Um, I mean, so you had classes with big blocks and small blocks running. You had classes with supercharged cars running all on their own. You know, it was a really neat setup how they had. Because so, you had cars that could actually drive themselves to the track. Oh, yeah. And then you had cars that were dedicated race cars that were still considered gasser cars. Um, and, th- and this was a really cool thing. It was really popular. And like I said, th- you know, these cars took on... Almost like a soul of their own. I mean, they had the cool names. Oh, yeah. You know, the Quarter Pounder and the Strip Teaser. Exactly. The Strip Teaser and, you know, the Dixie Twister. And, I mean, like I said, all these cool names. And, I mean, just. Or, uh, more recently, my personal favorite, the Cranky Yankee. The Cranky Yankee. But, I mean, there's so many funny ones out there. And, I mean, just just the Bad Apple. I mean, just so many cool ones, you know. And I I love that personality. The cars had some wild paint jobs on them, too. There was no two the same. No. Which is totally unlike drag racing today. Well, you know, it made the car a character of its own. Exactly. I exactly. Mean, it's it's like, you know, NASCAR. We've talked about NASCAR till I'm, you know, I, I'm I'm tired of NASCAR. But you know, you look back at old NASCAR, and it was like that. You know, oh, yeah. old, older NASCARs had a personality of their own. Nowadays, they kind of look like all the same thing. They're just different colors. Yeah, they're just different colors now. But you know, there there was a time when they had their own personality, and, and I think that's what's you know, and and we've talked about this several times on and off air. But I think that's where, you know, all kinds of racing has lost their personality. Go to a drag race today, you know, NHRA event, and look at the cars. They're cookie cutter. Come strap. It's like they rolled off an assembly line. You can just go down and and pick up your brand new dragster today. Because that's what it looks like. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, it's like the pro stock cars today. You know? Yeah. Oh, who won? You know, another 2017 Camaro. Yeah. It was probably red, too. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just, I mean, these cars got driven. Keep in mind, these were four speed cars. Yes. Straight axles. I mean, big wheel stands leaving with these things. Yeah. So can you imagine? Not only are you trying to keep a four to 500 horsepower car straight in 10 feet. A ten feet wide lane, up in the air. It weighs back. three to four thousand pounds. Man. Yeah, that's that. That the back, that the front wheels are you know two feet off the ground, running wide open, and you're steering with little front runner tires when they do touch the ground. Yeah, the rest of the and time, you're shifting at four speed and looking up at the sky the whole time doing it. 
This right here, guys, is drag racing. Yeah, this is where your driver is monumental. This is like bull riding and drag racing together. <laughs> yeah, th this is true drag racing. This is all about the driver. You know, they say that bracket racing's kind of brought that back. You know, it's all about the driver. And it is a little bit. It takes some talent when you're doing bracket racing. But this takes, you know what, of steel and a darn good head on your shoulders and good ability to be able to drive a car like this. You, I mean, you're actually having to do work. It's not just, you know, strapping into this rocket, hitting the gas pedal, and hanging on for dear life. No, you're actually having to function. You're having to control this car when it hits the ground in the front end, so you don't just jerk well, you off don't into know, the wall. Exactly, you don't know which direction yeah, it's going to go yeah, when it goes down. Way, yeah, when it comes down, you don't even know where you're going to be aiming. Exactly. You could be in the other lane by this point. Exactly. So you're you're having to think that you know think that way, and then like you said, shifting gears, clutching the car. Well, it, if you're a real man, for you, starting and stopping. Yeah, if you're a real man, you ain't even gonna hit that clutch. But I'm just saying. You know, but, I mean, you have to roll through all these motions. It's a mental challenge is what it is. I mean, you can't just go out there and do this. This is something you have to practice at and work toward. Well, I mean, this is another thing, too. You got to think about, like, bracket racing and stuff today, which gassers are nothing like bracket no, racing. No, 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 no. But, I mean, you got to think about it. You know, they got delay boxes, and they have Oh, they got everything locks. to make their job yeah, exactly. easy. Exactly. These cars, you know, you, know, you know what your line lock was? Yeah, that left foot. Exactly. You, you let off that clutch. It's rolling. Yeah. Um, I mean, and that's the thing, I mean, with these cars. I mean, this was a driver's car. I mean, this is a driving machine. There's no electronics of any kind. Yeah. You know, it's been said, you know, we can get in a you know, modern top field dragster, show us what buttons to hit, and we can get down the track. Oh, yeah. Put us in a gasser. I've never drove one. I've never drove a gasser either. But I, mean, I got a feeling I, I, I wouldn't be setting the, the, yeah, yeah, I I be setting the speed, woods on fire the no, first trip out. You know? No. I mean, we might not even get down the track without hitting the wall. Yeah, really. <laughs> but, I mean, it takes it takes talent. To, you know, these cars, I mean, it's all about the driver, you know. The car does what it does, but that driver has to react to what that car is doing. Exactly. These are real drivers. Yes, these absolutely. Are, these are, I graduated from the Frank Hawley Drag Racing School. <laughs> the Roy Hill. Yeah, I didn't go to Roy Hill's drag racing school. This is a little before Roy Hill's time here. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, let's race this and uh, hope I win and, or hope I live. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Guys, i tell you what, we're talking gassers right here on Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Stay tuned. Right here on 106.3 WORD. All right, guys, welcome back to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. It's Rob Pitts. Hot Rod! What's happening, dude? Dude. Well, you know, we're talking about gassers. We're talking about old school drag racing. You know, like I said, I want to take it back this week. Take it back. Way back. Way on back. But this is the thing that's cool about this, though, because you look at modern drag racing today. It's you boring. Would, it is. You would never think it came from this. No, no, no. No, no. I mean, it's some wild stuff. No, so there's a lot of time. I, I mean, comparing modern drag racing now is like, an old school outlaw back in the Wild West days and like a cop today. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying, though? Yeah. Like a sheriff, like, you know, a town sheriff back in the day. It's kind of like new drag racing to old school drag racing, but kind of like having a machine gun during the Civil War. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, yeah compared to a musket. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> Tell you what, <laughs> if you just had one machine gun. <laughs> but... Change history. Telling you. Done. Done. We won. That's what I'm saying. So anyway, 
But like I say, we we're talking about the drag racing thing. And about these cars, about the personality and the four speeds in these things. And driving these cars. I mean, you, you had to drive these cars. And they were so popular. I mean, people loved it. I mean, you got to think about the show it's putting on. It's not just shooting straight down the track. These things, like I said, you got the wheel stands. You got the drivers fighting these cars. These cars wrecked all the time. Well, you know, it's, it's what NASCAR, and I keep comparing, I keep going back to that. But it's what NASCAR used to be. You know, it, it is a race, but it was also a show. It was a show. They were putting on a hell of a show for the people. And people loved these things. They were eating it up. Well, you know what? Technology, through the, all the way through the 60s, the gasters were hot. Um, and all the way, like I said, into the going into the early 70s, 1970, 71, they brought in a super stock class. And it was a toned down gasser. It was a little more, more refined mm-hmm. gasser. And then in 1972, they introduced a class called pro stock. And, you know, keep in mind, even back in the 70s, Pro Stock was a very, very, very competitive competitive uh, class for right. drag racing. You know, and into the 80s and 90s, which was the heyday for Pro Stock. Like when we talked about, you know, in the past few weeks, you know, WJ and, and Bob Glidden and, you know, and all the, you know, the stuff going back and forth with them and the Wayne County Speed Shop stuff and Daryl Alderman. And, you know, I can go on for days and days and days about Pro Stock. But, you know, and I mean, they, they had characters, and people knew these cars, you know, Warren Johnson and, you know, in the Goodwrench, you know, Oldsmobile, and, you know, you had Larry Morgan in the Super Clean Oldsmobile, and you had Bob Glitton and his Thunderbird, and everybody knew these guys. Can I rant for a sec? Yes. Can I, I, I got a soapbox thing. I just, I've been listening to you, but it's been over here just stewing. All right. I, I want you to take a look at motorsports in general. Yeah. You go to a dirt track race on Friday night, you couldn't put another fan in the seat. No. You know, you go to an asphalt race, you know, here locally, like Greenville Pickens. You can't get another fan in the seat. You go to a college football game. You can't get a fan in the, you know, another fan in the seat. You go to, you know, an uh, event like the Southeast Gassers put on or, or like a Thursday night down at Greer Dragway. You cannot put another butt in a seat in those bleachers. It's packed out. Right? Right. All right, now take it to the next step. Go to a NASCAR event. Go to a pro football game. Go to an NHRA event, which is getting a little bit better, but go to an NHRA event. What's happening there? It's dying. Exactly. It's like crowd participation's off. It's like as soon as you start dragging in all this corporate bureaucracy, all these politics, all these rules. I think there's several things that's killing it. I think TV kills it a lot. Yes. Because you. You well, get the best seat, I, I the get the best seat in the house for free. In the house. Yeah, but you know, you drag in all this, all this, you know, big rules. Oh well, you you can't say a bad word out here on the racetrack after he flipped you three times going into turn four. If he and, didn't and say and a bad word, I would you. find him. Yeah, you can't say a bad word. Oh no, you can't do that, or you can't flip him off on the football field and get mad after you got hit too hard. You can't do that. Now what happened? No one wants to go. It's no longer a show anymore. Exactly. It's no longer a show. You're watching two big old money political parties go at it back and forth. It's not a show at this point. It's who can out money who. Well, I mean, and, and that's another thing. You know, everything's so PC, even in drag racing. And drag yeah. racing held on for a long time. For a long time. 
for a long time. And they still have some they and, still and have some know, characters in drag racing just not in person. I've made right this now. statement before and I will say it again and I stand by it. I think Street Outlaws has saved drag racing and is continuing to do that. Not Street a Out, super it's a, fan of the show. It's a double edged sword. It is a double edged sword. It's it changing cool. the game too. Exactly. It has brought a lot of attention <clears throat> to the sport yes. of drag racing. Not necessarily. But it's changing what's popular in the sport. It is. Exactly. It's steering attention from the big guys to these street cars. Right. And you know why? And I think another reason why the local motorsports is more popular, it's obtainable. Well, that too, yeah. It's, it's logical that somebody well, you know, could try to, to go after that. There was a time and place, and, and it's funny, I keep going back to it and I hate it. There was a time and place where NASCAR was obtainable. Me, you, and a couple buddies could put together a car and go out there and run. Yeah. The we 60s. may not be the most competitive thing out yeah. there, but we could run it with the big boys. I mean, come on. We look could be out on the track look, with Dale Earnhardt. Look at Morgan Shepard. Yeah. He raced till he was 96 years old. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> there's plenty of them like that. Morgan the, Shepard was sponsored by the Pensacola Church of God. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I promise you, his last NASCAR, it was like something like that on there. I mean, how much could they honestly have put out? Right. They have an offering plate. You know, this actually reminds me of, you know, the legendary Wendell Scott, you know, the first black guy to race in NASCAR. ESPN, many years ago, actually did a story on him. It was like 47 minutes long. And you can actually go on YouTube and watch the whole thing. It's absolutely Well, you know, he did a movie, too. Richard yeah, Pryor played him. Yeah, it's absolutely great to watch this documentary. But, you know, you look back at him. He done what he done out of his house, out of his garage. Yeah. And he raced NASCAR. Well, you got to think about Shirley Muldowdy coming up through the years. Yeah. Coming through the ranks. Yeah, absolutely. You don't have that anymore. You can't do that. Yeah. Me and you can't go start a NASCAR team. Me and you can't go start a big boy drag team. Not without major money backing us anymore. And it's killed the sport. It has killed the sport. But And I want to tell you something. That's what's killed pro stock. Yep. Which, of course, the gaster class went out the window, you know, when ProStock fell down. You know what I mean? But I've got a call-in guest coming up. He's going to break it down for us. <laughs> and I and I want to tell you about my call-in guest. This guy right here, he's fighting a good fight. And he is putting people back in the stands. Oh, yeah. And bringing them what they want. Oh, we've talked to him outside the studio. And I think, you know, all our listeners are in for a treat when they get to hear this guy. Oh, yeah. Because you're right. You're absolutely right. This guy is fighting for, I can't say for myself, but what you, what your father grew up on. Uh, you know, I'm I'm young. I'm 27. I didn't grow up on this. But I you're appreciate a child. I appreciate it, and I love it. But this guy right here, he's bringing back what you know so many traditional yeah true what so many who probably actually listen to the show because i'm sure our our fan base is mostly older generation what truly they grew up on exactly and he's bringing this back and he is killing the southeast oh yeah oh yeah this guy is ruined i mean from from texas to virginia you know he is he has absolutely run the southeast and and has brought back that beautiful traditional racing and accurate as accurate as it can be exactly and has done a hell of a job doing so with you know filling up stands slowly more and more each year and the words getting out there more and more each year and, and their events are becoming bigger and bigger each year i think these commercials come faster and faster every year guys <laughs> i tell you what you need to stay tuned we got a great calling guest coming up right here on hot rods and happy hour right here on 1063 wrd
All right, guys, welcome back to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. This is Rob Pitts. Hot Rod! What's happening, dude? Oh, man, just hanging out. I tell you what. Tell I me. told you we got a good call-in guest today. You did tell me. And have I ever told you? Well, wait a minute. I have told you a few lies. Yeah, you've told me quite a few. Uh, actually, that's a bunch of lies. That's but, but that's beside the point, because I'm not lying to you right now. Let me let me just throw a few stats at you. All right, throw them at me. All right. I've got an IHRA Pro Mod World Champion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. I've got one of the top 20 pro mod drivers of all time. Right, right. Waiting on the line right now. And not only that, this man is this man is bringing back vintage drag racing. This guy is making the gasser craze go crazy. That's like three pretty big things. I mean, and I've got this guy on the line right now. Guys, let me introduce you to my good friend. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I feel like I gained cool points because I know this guy. He is a pretty cool guy. He is a pretty cool guy. All the way from Columbus, North Carolina, Mr. Quayne Stott. Welcome to Hot Rods and Happy Hour, buddy. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me on. But that introduction there was a little over the top. I ain't all that. <laughs> that's, that's, that, that's, that's the beauty of radio. We got to talk it up. <laughs> uh, no, I have had a good career. I cannot complain. I, uh, it's way above my expectations when I was 15 years old and started drag racing. I can tell you that. That was 1975. And uh, and I well, raced with your dad yeah. back then. And, uh, and I, I I never expected it to do what it's done. And, and, and I never expected drag racing to be as good to me as it has. But it has been, and, and I'm proud of it. And uh, i still got a few more years left in me, I think. I, th- I think you got a few. I think yep. you got a few. I mean, I'll tell you something. Gene Cromer's still out there, so I mean, you got a lot. I'll never make it long as he has. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you something. Gene Cromer, he started racing on foot. Yeah, I think no joke, man. He started in '63, I think. He, no, no, no. He built a Willis in '63 or '64. He probably started in the '50s. Goodness gracious! Yeah, he started in the '50s. I tell you what. So tell us about Southeast Gassers. I mean, I know a lot of people's heard about it, and you know, like we were talking about earlier. You know, Gassers is a very broad term. It is, and I want I don't want yeah. you to tell us about Southeast Gassers. It, let me tell you how it started. I think I'd rather start it, it or what got me wanting to do it. And it was I raced my whole life, like I said, since 1975, and I ended up making a living racing pro mod, all that stuff. And the and the modern day racing just really started getting boring to me. And the only way I'm I'm trying to think of what can I do, what can so even before I parked a pro mod in 2011, my heroes Gene Cromer and people like that from the Gasser eras, I wanted to know what it felt like to drive a car like they drove when racing was real, when when everybody could relate to it. So I, I built me a a 41 Willis and. Uh, I built it as error correct as possible, and I mean I got down to the little details like the gauges and and uh, the right wheels, wheelie bars even. But you're and not building a show car; you're building no, a car to I race. A race car. That's right. I built a car. I wanted to race it. I wanted to know what it felt like to drive a drag car, a gasser drag car in 1964-65. And when I got done with it, I went and ran it, and I had. A, I'm like, man, this is the coolest thing I've ever done. Then I found out I didn't know how to wear a race it. He's <laughs> all by yourself. Yeah, I'm out here by myself. I'm like, you know, I can go to these. I start doing, getting online and doing research. And there's gasser racing and nostalgia racing all over the country. But when I started researching, you know, their rules, there weren't any. 
Yeah, good they guys nostalgia. Everything a gasser, like you said. Exactly, good guys nostalgia drags and southeast gassers are two totally different totally things. Totally different things, and and I'm not knocking these other groups. They're doing this. This is the way we have uh, just we try to look at it. They're, those groups are racer friendly. They they cater to the racer. In other words, there's no rules. So if you got a 1955 Chevrolet. It don't matter what else there, you know, you can go race with these groups because their rules are like 1967 back. Our deal is not racer-friendly. <laughs> to race with Southeast Gassers, you got to have your stuff right. But in turn, that makes it fan-friendly. So the ones that's racer-friendly, they're not drawing a big crowd of spectators. ones that are fan and ours is fan-friendly. So it, it makes a big deal, but I'll, I'll get and a big challenge and, too. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, yes. But what we wound up and had to do was we had to figure out a way to make rules where the cars could still be raced on today's racetracks. So that caused us to have to allow stronger gears in the transmission. Uh, it caused us to have to allow better axles and better pieces, all this stuff still looks the same. It's just better metal. Right. So, you know, we get accused all the time, y'all are not period correct. They didn't have transmissions that good back then. That's right. And they didn't have tires that good, and they didn't have racetracks that good either. We tried the Muncie route and the Ford top loader route. And a lot, of people, a lot of people lost feet back then, too. Yes, they did. And when we, you know, we first built these things and tried to go run them, they left the transmission laying on the ground in one run. <laughs> who, you know, who's going to go watch us do that? that? That sounds about like Daddy back in the old Power Glide days. Exactly, exactly. But the Southeast Gassers just is is uh, just an organization that, that that the rules are strict enough to cause when somebody comes out to watch this race to preserve history. I've always said, if you was going to do a reenactment of the Civil War, would you send them out with you know F sixteen fighter planes? <laughs> and <yeah. laughs> well, that's exactly. I think what it would. I, th- I think it might have went the other way if we had those in the South. Yeah, it would, wouldn't it? We might have done a little better. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but really, you know, they went out there in tuxedos and and in uh, machine guns fighting that war. They were out, the, and so if you do a reenactment, and that's what we're trying to do: is do a reenactment of a 1965 drag race. And I look at the other other groups that are doing this, and that's exactly what they're doing. They've got them out there with M16s pretending to race, trying to tell the fans that they're racing like they were in the 60s. So, so for, for lack of better terms, you're putting on a show. Not, well, we don't like to call it a right. show because we're really racing. Right. But, but it is, it, well, this is what I told some other day, I said, we're not putting on a show, we're racing. But the racing's so good it's turned into a show. <laughs> Well, it's entertaining, though, because you've got to think about it. You've got the same problems that people had 50 years ago. Exactly, exactly. And it's, it makes them not be cookie cutter. Uh, there's, two, there's two gray areas. I mean, there's, there's a lot. I mean, back up. There's a lot of gray areas in gasser history. They didn't all have straight axles. No, they didn't. They didn't all sit high. They didn't all have cut-out wheel wells. What we did was we took what was most popular, and that's what we wrote the rules around, which was straight axles and that sort of stuff. Well, if I didn't force these drivers to have straight axles, 
they'd be a fool to be out there with them if A-frames were legal. <laughs> exactly. So, so other words, the class would be it'd be like look like all the rest of them because they don't force them to do it. But all these gray areas that was in the '60s that when we try to look back at history, but there was two things that was etched in stone. And that is they had to run gas, and they never bracket raced. There's two things. You cannot say you're having a gasser race if there's any type of disqualification for going too fast or if it's not anything other than gasoline in the tank. If it's got alcohol or nitro or E85 in the tank, it is not a gasser. I don't care if you've got everything else on that car is perfect down to the gauges, down to the stickers. That still cannot be because the NHRA would not have let it run in the 60s with E85 in the tank. Well, and I mean, and this is the thing that makes it so cool, that, that, that you can actually, that you're that thorough with it. And I mean, and this is the, th- I mean, because it's so easy just to bend the rules. It just, it oh, would make yeah, it, yeah. I mean, make my job 10 times easier. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, my, my job would be 10 times easier if I, and it would have took off way, well, it would have, it would have been, it would have done better to start with. Uh, but then it wouldn't have never got to where it is now. I could have went in there right off the bat because see, we went for we went for the first year with only two cars. I was just match racing this other guy. Well, then the next thing we know, we got six cars. And then, of course, you know, every year I'm making rules stricter. We're making rule changes again. And this is a fact. You can let you know let the record speak. Go back and look at the other gasser groups and look at their history on the records on the rules. They've got slacker every year. We've got stricter. <laughs> They've got slacker because they want more cars. Yeah. We don't want more cars. We we don't charge an entry fee, so more cars don't help a thing. Right. It, it's, it don't make me more money. I want I want quality, not quantity. And and these other gasser groups, you'll hear them. Oh, we got 150 cars, or we got 300 cars. We have 60 or 70, but guess what? We got 60 or 70 gassers not 60 or 70 old-body cars, and we have a drag race. We race them. So, and, and, and the way we got it set up, wait to keep it inks, just like it was in the 60s. Everything is that we try to do it as high. And we're not perfect by no stretch of the imagination. I'll be the first to tell you we're not. But I will challenge any other gasser group in the world not just the United States, in the world, to compare rules with me. I don't think there's anybody else any closer to perfect than we are. I don't believe so either. i tell you what, Quain, hold that thought. We're going to take a quick commercial break. All right, go right ahead. All right, guys, stay tuned. We're going to continue talking with Quain Stott about the Southeast Gasters right here on Hot Rods and Happy Hour. On 106.3 WORD. All right, guys, welcome back to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Hot Rod! What's happening, dude? Man, we got Mr. Quain Stott on the line. Yes, sir, we do. And this guy's telling us all about this nostalgia craze. Quain? Uh, I wanted to touch on something that's, I'll say, been bugging me a little bit in the last couple of years. All I keep hearing how the nostalgia craze has picked up and doing great, and all you hear, man, it's all about the gasser craze and all about the nostalgia racing has been around for thirty-five or forty years, and it its peak was back when it started. Nostalgia racing, you ain't gonna believe what I'm fixing to say. But to let the record show, nostalgia racing is still going downhill fast because they keep letting the rules get slacker and slacker and slacker, and the fans have quit coming out. Now, you can go to Bowling Green, you can go to Hot Rod Reunion, 
And, yes, there's a bunch of people there. But that's one of those deals about like anything else. It's just half of the people there are participants. But then they they have they they have this big gigantic show with all these cars. They draw three or four thousand spectators, which is really not that many. But the place is so full of race cars and show cars till it feels packed. Now, there is one nostalgia craze, and there again, this you can go look this up. It's that's doing good, and that's the Southeast Gassers. What's happened is is over the last six years. The Southeast Gassers have took off to the point till it's it, everybody's thinking the whole nostalgia craze has took off, but it hasn't. It's not. It's not doing good. I'm, like I say, none of the others are picking up. They're they're holding. Let's say at best they're staying where they are. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, if you're not growing, you're dying. Right. And and, and the ones I'm keeping up with and monitoring is the ones that I feel like is competition to us. They're going downhill. We're growing leaps and bounds. Our spectator counts, on the average, are picking up two to five hundred people. Two to five. Well, I, let me back up on that. Our spectator count. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be a little more conservative. Two to three hundred spectators per year per racetrack. In other words, if we went to Knoxville, Tennessee last year, and we had fifteen hundred spectators. When we went back this year, we had 1,800. And it's been doing that for six years. It started out picking up 50 or 75 a, a year. And then, then people, they go tell their buddies, man, this stuff's the real deal. We got people coming from out of town now. I'm t- when I say out of town, I'm talking about Pennsylvania, Delaware, Mississippi. All these places is coming, driving 10 hours to one of our races. And, I, and I, when I start talking to them, I say, hey, what, what got y'all out here? And they said, man, we just kept hearing about this. said, we quit going to nostalgia races 10 years ago because they was ruining them. There wasn't nothing nostalgia left about them. And they said, we kept hearing about this. And now we've, we've brought them back. There's new fans mm-hmm. who come back. But I, I don't know how to say what I'm trying to say, but I think you understand what I'm saying. Nostalgia racing is not growing. Right. No, it's I, I, I totally see. Exactly. It's going down, it's going, the, 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 the hot rod reunion in California here, the last thing they had, they the worst turnout they'd had in years. Bowling Green was was slack, was down on spectators. Well, this is the thing. I think the name is getting bigger, but I think the quality and the actual nostalgia part is getting smaller. I think we have a lot more people building nostalgia cars, but the spect- I measure our success by how many spectators come through the gate. I don't measure our success by how many cars we have. That's stupid. That's not that that. NHRA don't even probably do that. They don't measure their success by how many top fuel funny cars they have. They've measured their success by how many people's in the bleachers. Well, NHRA actually limits how many cars are in. Exactly. And see, but these other nostalgia groups are measuring their success by how many cars they have or how many participants, I call them. Well, that's because they're charging an entry fee. They don't care if no spectators show up. They make money. Our deal is set up to where we we don't charge the racers, so we have to have spectators. But anything you do, just like, for example, your radio station, 
You don't measure your success by how many people you got in there talking on that microphone. You measure your success by how many people's listening to your show. Exactly. Well, exactly. that's what I do, and that's what's that's why this been this big mix, misconception of nostalgia racing. Yes, there's more cars being built, but there's not more people in the stands because the people that's building the cars are half-assed building them, and they're not building them correct, so they're not preserving the history. And these old people's going to be dead and gone one day. If we don't preserve it, it's never. It's going to be gone forever. Well, and I think that's where a lot of people lose the point. Exactly. exactly. I, I have always had that theory with, like, pinstriping, because there was a time up till here in the last couple of years where pinstriping was an absolute dying art. Exactly And right. now it's starting exactly. to finally pick up, and you see people are starting to do it more. Yep. So I get exactly what you're saying. Yep. I mean, if you don't preserve it, if you don't stick to the roots of it, you'll lose it. Yeah, and you, you're exactly right because that's that's exactly pinstriping. The old school paint jobs are starting to come back. Yep, the old flake roofs and yep, all that. All that stuff's coming back, and that was a lost art. People didn't even know how to do it. Well, speaking, of, I mean, you talk about the old school paint jobs. We're talking about how about your forty-one Willys, the Grand Illusion, which yeah. I got a question about that too here in a little bit. Uh, but of course, it's white with the lace panels and all that mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's straight mid '60s right there it's all day. Dead on it. Yeah, it actually, it's a little, it's pushing the envelope just a little bit. It's 67, 66, it's, I guess mid to late 60s. The the lace really got popular in the, in the later 60s. We was really pushing the 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 era when I painted that car, cause that, but I always wanted a lace-painted car. So what, how did the name Grand Illusion, because you actually run that name on one of your first drag cars. I correct? had it on my Pro Mod, and you ain't going to believe it. <laughs> You just ask a question, it's going to get a real uh, shock answer. I'm an amateur magician. Get out of town. Really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah now you see that. But <laughs> when, we, when, we, when I built my first Pro Mod, or when I actually finally got it to where it run good enough to be recognizable, we named it a Grand Illusion because of my magic, but because also it was like a dream come true. I had two meanings behind that. And then when I got my first sponsor, well, I had actually had the Bug Eater Corporation sponsored us the first time, and uh, so I had, I had to take Grand Illusion off and paint it the colors they wanted. <laughs> and then uh, so we put Grand Illusion right behind the, under the bumper on all my old race cars, most all of them. That, that, the pro mods. That's awesome. I've always wondered that. Yep. Just, I mean, I didn't know if it's just a cool name you came yep. up with or something. That... Yep. I really studied magic real hard uh, when I was younger. And and I, I got pretty good at it, but my problem is I'm and, and you call them the mechanics of magic, like uh, how the tricks are done. That's called the mechanics of right. magic. Well, that's what I was interested in because it drive me crazy trying to figure out how they done it. Well, I kept doing research, and this was back before the internet, and, and playing around, and I had learned a lot of the basics till I figured out how it was done. And once I figured out how it was done, I didn't care anything about that trick anymore, so I never got real good at doing it. I can tell you how just about anything's done, but I but but I did practice up. Uh, you know Darren Gray that uh, uh, I'm sure you know Darren, but he used to they used to have deals at my shop. They'd bring kids over, and I'd do little magic shows for them and. Just entertain the kids when the parents were here looking at the hot rods. And All right, quick question, slightly off topic. Have you ever not, cut a woman in half? No. <laughs> no. All my stuff is uh, not even accidentally. What they call, 99% of my stuff is what you call street magic, up-close magic, 
Uh, in other words, I can sit down at the dinner table and do tricks with the with the salt shakers and stuff on the on the table, that, and I don't have to have any special effects to do it. You you was always a hit at the parties. Right, yeah, I don't have to have, I don't, I, I mean, I've got obviously some trick little things that we can use, but uh, I can sit down at a table with a salt shaker and a, and a paper towel and do tricks that, it, when I'm in practice. See, I won't hardly do it now, because if you're not in practice, you make an idiot out of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I do that all the time. Well, yeah. I do too. So, but anyway, I didn't mean to get off subject, but that that's that's where the grand illusion came from. That, that, and, that's really neat, though. I mean, it's something yeah. I, and I've always was trying to figure that out. Well, you, when, know, you know, drag racing itself is a lot like magic, because you can make a lot of money just disappear. You sure can, in a hurry. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I had, uh, I had originally named my gasser the executioner. And uh, and it, and it was more popular back then, I thought. But whenever we, uh, I decided to paint the lace paint job on it. You know, flowers and executioner didn't exactly go together. So I said, you know what? Let's go full circle. And let's bring the Grand Illusion name back out. I love it, man. That's yeah. awesome. Though. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the thing that's cool about these cars too. And that was something about the names on them. I tell you what, Quay, hold that thought just one more time. We got to take a commercial break. All right, go ahead. All right, guys, stay tuned to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. We're continually talking to Mr. Quain Stott of Southeast Gassers. Right here on 106.3 WORD. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 